0: Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to the frankly batchet Liverpool three Benfica three in the Champions League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. A mad game, Dave. Like kind of, kind of annoyingly so. There's some lovely football from us, um, but just it just felt very higgledy piggledy and, and disjointed. And, and I suppose that's because. That's the way the manager approached it, and he pretty much bent every possible rule he could have bent uh in advance. And I suppose these things then will probably happen.
2: Yeah, I mean when you put that team out in the first half, you're not really expecting liquid football at all. And when you make as many changes as we did, and and then we seem to get a little bit obsessed with getting Bobby a hat-trick and trying to pass the ball into the back of the net and stuff and Obviously, it's two individual errors in not holding the defensive line that gift them their second and third goals, and, and an individual error that gifted, or not even, I don't even know if you'd call it an individual error, but like a fluke circumstance that gifted them their first. It was just a weird game, you know. And the same thing with our goal. We get two from our goals, we get two from set pieces, one from a calamity by Jan Vertonghen, um it's just a a really strange game there was some good football there was some spells where nothing happened there was some flat out bad football but all in all it was just sort of an uneventful well, not uneventful is the wrong word but it never really brought you any anxiety because we had the 2-0 the two goal lead from the first game you felt kind of comfortable or at least I did throughout the game it, it never sort of worried me that they were going to come back i never felt in any way that we were under too much pressure, so you know it was just sort of a game you could kind of watch without ever really having your emotions dip up or down.
0: You know what? I think that's actually pretty much exactly where I was with it as well. And Carl, that's kind of the overall take from it, isn't it? You know, it was one of those games where I very rarely find myself myself lying back on the couch, primarily because I'm taking notes. But sometimes you just, either a game is gone, which almost never happens, or it's just in that sort of weird zone, like Dave's describing, where we're either way ahead or you just don't have that normal level of anxiety. And, you know, I'd say we might be in the minority not having that anxiety as they kept battering in goals towards the end there. And, uh, uh, you know, VAR, the boys in VAR were, were, were overworked. But you know, I hate to be the cliche uh, um, merchant here, but it, it, maybe it's because it just didn't fucking matter. We just needed to get past them and do enough to get past them. And that would probably explain the lineup at the start. And that would probably explain the patches of beautiful football and patches of not so beautiful football um, that went to make up that overall Liverpool
3: performance. I think that's fair. I think, you know, you gotta understand obviously the the midfield being thrown together as as it was, and obviously the fullbacks who are so critical to our build up play as well being changed. It was never going to be as fluid as it usually is, and that straight away lends itself to the game not feeling as serious. You know, before kickoff, you it's not like we were taking it as a joke or taking it easy or anything like that, because there was certainly still a lot of energy and still a lot of intent from our players, but you already know that it's not Man City away, let's be honest, you know, the the lineup already tells you that it's not that game, so kind of understandable, I suppose, that it was a little less stressful, and I think that the two goals was a really big thing, I think it probably highlights just how big that third goal late on was in the first leg, to be fair, because it might not have been uh, quite as laid back otherwise, it might not quite have been that lineup otherwise, and in the end, we can say everything worked out perfectly fine for us, but... It was close enough that we probably couldn't have done all of the, the tactical and the changes that we did if it was only one goal in a kickoff.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly where I was going with that. It was, I, I think Jurgen pushed it to the very, very limit. As I was looking at it, and let's get straight into this as a way into looking at the Liverpool lineup and I'll give you both a, a take on this because I want to get a take from both of you. And st- Stay with you, Carl, for a second. As, you know, news was filtering through about the team, I know, again, it's old school, but you just couldn't help but feel that, um, you know, that old thing of, well, we know now what, um, you know, old Verissimo is going to be saying to his players, because the level of disrespect... Involved in that lineup when you when you see who's on the bench, uh, when you see who could have played, there is a high level. There's a high level of disrespect uh, coming towards Benfica in that lineup. Uh, I think, and I don't think it's too cruel to say that it's lovely that we got a chance to do it. But you know, you are aware that there's a, a, a an element of risk involved, regardless of the 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 the, uh, the build-up of the two-goal cushion in the in the first leg. I mean, I'm sure you would have expected quite a few changes and, you know, when yourself and Dave were talking about this in advance, you would have expected quite a few changes, but not on this level, man, surely.
3: Oh, no, we went for quite a few fewer. Um, we did, for example, say that Kanate would be in and Dave picked Sumikas to play and uh, we both made a couple of changes up front, for example. Neither of us left out both Fabinho and Van Dyke. That is a Klopp thing alone. And I don't think that there will ever become a game other than like FA Cup third rounds where we do decide in the game, uh, in the scouter before the match, yeah, we'll we'll leave those two out. That's, that's not for us to feel comfortable about. That's just for Jürgen to do. Uh, look, it's a real balancing act as well because it's not just us and how we feel and how we approach the game. But you know, being in that dressing room for Benfica, as soon as they see the Liverpool lineup and some of those names are missing, they're thinking, oh my God, we've got a chance. We've got a much bigger chance than we actually thought when we were coming to Anfield. So you've got to manage that side of it as well. And I think that that's probably something you could see in the first few minutes where they were quite quick, quite energetic, trying to get forward a little bit quickly. If they had a scored first or really early on, get the fans on side, make Anfield a little bit nervous, it could have gone a different way. So again, I think that to an extent we have to be... Um, Praised is probably a bit too strong for what I want to say, but we we did well enough to, uh, to again, I don't think control is quite the right word, but we did enough to stop them being in control anyway.
0: Dave, Carl's right to focus on the opening part of the game because obviously that's when you're going to see this, the real impact of uh, all the changes on a team. Um, we hear lots of talk about rhythm from Jürgen, um, how you can expect to have any when you have that many changes is beyond me. And in those opening 20 minutes, just before uh, Ibu Kanate puts us ahead. I mean, I this is the last thing I want to do. I, I want Jimmy Miller to be on a statue somewhere and I can call around to him and have a cup of tea with him and tell him what a great lad he is. I have tremendous time for James Miller. But the lad just wasn't able for that tonight, and you could see it from minute one. I think there was one stage there in the first half where he's about six shit touches in a row, between himself, sort of looking panicky and not being able to do things the way I know he wants to do them. I, I felt awful for him, you know. It, it, it was it just felt as if the dubiety of Jurgen's selection was really evident in those opening minutes before we did get that cushion of the. Um, canate goal and you know it was a risk and i mean i'm delighted that in the end it's paid off i genuinely am but it it was a risky lineup dave
2: Uh, anytime you see milderson in midfield together it's generally going to conjure up bad feelings because well they've generally been terrible together that's just how it is you can carry one of them You, you can't carry both as adam says i mean look Four years ago, when they could both run, that midfield didn't work. Neither of them can run But against a team like Benfica, who came and were a little in on how slow and ponderous that side of the midfield was. They might have taken advantage of it. I mean, you, you can go visit James Milner statues all you want, Trev. I will happily wave him goodbye in the summer because...
0: (laughs) <laughs> i know you will <laughs> Stella, know the, you the guy will.
2: can't play the guy was bang average in his prime and he can't play and hasn't been able to play for three years and but did you not did you did like you not the standard setter and all this bullshit like i'm did sorry you not th- yeah players did, don't turn around and look at mediocrity and think i wish i could be like him
0: well did you not think it looked particularly painful for the lad tonight like you know that game that i'm always going on about it because i thought it was a really interesting thing, a point that gary neville made one time um back when he was good and he talked about the game where he could feel that, oh, shit, I can't do this anymore. Like, his legs mm. were gone, whatever it was. And it's not about fitness, you see. This is the fucking thing. It doesn't matter how many shut no, runs Jimmy. Miller was no, as fit
2: as anyone in the club. Milner yeah. can run great distances very, very slowly. But unfortunately, football's not played at a slow pace. Look, we've seen him play this season. That, I think, was that his first start since January? Has he started since that abomination he turned in at Chelsea?
0: I don't away. think
2: so because like you could tell then he couldn't play anymore. So like none of the blame for his performances can go on him. James Miller turns up to work, does his best, puts in his shift and it's the manager who continues to pick him and put him in bad situations where he just he can't play. It's simple as that he cannot play anymore. Like you can tell that his brain knows what it wants to do and his body just can't get him there at all. And it was. It was painful watching him tonight. He's plodding around the pitch. He's making a shuttle run. And then he's out of position for the next 60 or 90 seconds because he just can't get back into position. And uh, shout out to Ian Doyle who gave him a 7 out of 10 for his 1st best half-half performance, Well, given Nabby, who was good carry the water for everybody in midfield, a 6 out of 10. Well done, Ian. Oh. Uh, your BNP men- membership is in the post, but Wow. No, <laughs> okay. Mil- Milner just... Milner can't play anymore. It's as simple as that. That needs to be the last game he ever starts in a Liverpool yeah. shirt. And, and frankly, unless we're 3-0 up and there's five minutes left, it should be the last time he sets foot in the pitch for Liverpool. Let him go and play at a club more suiting of his abilities. But the thing is, right now, there's not a Premier League team that he gets into, not even the crap at the bottom. He doesn't even get into that team because he can't run enough. He doesn't have the legs to do it. He can run slowly over long distances, but any kind of dynamic burst from him, and he's just breathing out of his arse.
0: Yeah, just even sharpness. You could just see that. He it was, it was full stretch, and and, 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 and and everything was sort of extended legs and no calm at all and I just ah oh god I i genuinely felt sorry for him I could just because it just felt to me like oh well I know what you're saying you could see it before and absolutely there was evidence but just tonight it just looked so bad
3: um for the poor fellow reminded oh. me sorry mate, it reminded me of like when you go back and play five side after like two months out and and you think you're gonna do something and then <laughs> the run yeah. past you just before you actually turn in time and you're like <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Puff of the cheeks there. Just, just on Milner before we move on from the early stages as well, um, big shout out to the BT boys tonight who uh, in the first five minutes of the game told us that uh, Diaz was playing in his favoured left-hand side role and that James Milner was Liverpool's number six. Uh, I quite enjoyed both of those. That was a good start to the night.
0: That was great because you can always rely on insight like that from Martin Keown, the massive helmet head. Uh, the Benfica team, let's take a quick look at them um, before we before we march into the details of the match because God knows there's enough of those to be keep us busy. So we'll just get this done quite quickly. Uh, Dave, I'll go to you on this. Um, in terms of um, what it was that Verissimo was trying to do, I think there were some players rested in advance of this game from what I could tell um, from the uh, um, ramblings of Ian Dark um, pre-match. But it was a very uh, much a, a, as as strong as they could get. I know they brought on Yaremchuk, who scored, and Gian Mario, who's a useful enough kind of a, a, an individual and was involved in the goal as well. Uh, Bernardo came on at some point for them too, uh, and Almeida. But that's probably how you guys would have guessed he was going to go, yes or no.
2: Um, I thought Jemario might have started. Obviously, Rafa Silva was injured, so he didn't play. Mm. And that was a big blow to them. But uh, Rafa Silva, um, Jemario, I thought, was the one that would come in. Concalves, to me, just, he's not up to the level required. I was a li- I-, I actually thought, today I was thinking about it and I was wondering, would he start... Uramchuk up front with Darwin, or even with Darwin just off him, and just go with a, a more attacking lineup and be a bit more aggressive from the off. Sort of what he went to when he brought Uramchuk on and he had Everton on one wing and he moved Darwin out to the left with sort of, you know, a, a one and one front two. But yeah, other than Jay Mario, it's the only real surprise. I mean, I'd, I'd have to rap. Adel Traut starting for them is a bit like Milner starting for us. He 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 could never be arsed at running. Like at least Milner enjoyed the running aspect of the game. Uh, Adel's never really been arsed, and he's so immobile now. He did still manage to nutmeg Milner twice, but he's like it's like a turnstile in midfield for them, and and that's kind of where they fall down because they try and be aggressive, and yet they get numbers beyond the ball they get turned over and it's so easy to play through them going the other way like we just played through Adil trapped all night the the poor fella looked like he was spinning around in circles at one point but um no that's more or less the team that we expected and i I think they're they're a strong unit with some good players but there's clear flaws in that team
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And uh, sadly, we, I think, made them look far better than they are over both legs, if I'm being perfectly honest. And let's get into the details of the game itself, which was started by um, uh, our referee who was, you know, comparatively OK over the course of the night. I thought um, missed a couple of like spectacularly obvious calls, but nothing too game changing. That was then to the VAR boys and uh, we'll decide whether they were. Uh, controversial or not as we go so carl maybe you and i'll take the first 20 up as far as Ibu's goal um the first thing of note that i, I, I made any sense to me anyway was a dangerous nunez ball in on three minutes um but i think the uh uh attacker was offside Uh, nine minutes in we got a decent ball in by Simicus, and just pause here to say I thought that kid was fantastic over the course of the game, genuinely love that lad I have to say he's such a high quality uh, option to have to come in for Robbo, you don't almost notice any drop off at all, he's just great I think, Um, ten minutes in, Nunes was breaking, carrying down the left he did Joel Matip up like a kipper, got to the byline but his pullback was intercepted um, I can't remember who it was coming back, I think it might have been Nabby and the ball goes to um, Ali, and uh, danger averted 12 minutes after an absolutely appalling Milner cross from a free kick, uh, it was like set to him, and he he, uh, he crossed it from the right, um, but you know, it was, it was a daisy cutter, and they break, Everton got a shot in, and it was narrowly wide, and you know, it wasn't a bad little hit from the kid, uh, and could have nestled in the back of Ali's net. Um we should be starting to see a little bit of um signs here that things not might not go the way we want them to. Um 14 minutes. However, Jota does pull off a one two with Bobby Firmino. The keeper got out to his feet. Um meanwhile, Jimmy Miller stretching and just missing most things. A chance, then a great move, ended with a Diaz ball into the aforementioned Jimmy, who got as far as far forward as he had been all match and wasn't able to finish from point blank. To be fair, uh, it was it was a quite a mass of of bodies and feet around him. And then on twenty minutes, and you'd have to say it's not exactly against the run of play, but they've they've carried a threat but we do go 1-0 up and it should be a match killer. It's from Ibu Kanate. Simicus, the aforementioned uh, um, um, left back with a fantastic delivery from the corner. Lo- love the shape he puts on those outswingers. And Ibu gets up, um, more of a challenging effort than he had in the last leg uh, and heads the ball down textbook style again and into the corner, uh, bounces up into the corner. It's a fantastic finish. Um, it, I'm, I'm, I felt we were possibly a little bit, f- absolutely a little bit fortunate to be worn up on the balance of that particular 20 minutes. Did you read it differently?
3: No, probably not. Um, we were okay. We were fine in terms of recycling it from the back, but the midfield passing was pretty atrocious throughout the first half, especially in that early period. Some of the time you could see that there was really nice combination plays when we were going sort of right to left, but anytime we tried to then, get it into the final third, it was pretty hit and miss. Um, I think we first have to pay tributes and sincere, um, unlucky sort of words of appreciation to Nicholas Otamendi for his almighty leap trying to stop Canate heading in that goal. I think he must have got at least three inches off the ground and that's that's to be applauded for a man of his age. Um, not, not the finest night that I've ever seen a centre-back have, to be fair, apart from maybe one interception in the second half. There was also a moment just before the goal, I think, where I think the one you mentioned actually, where uh, Milner broke into the box, and then Firmino almost got the rebound as well. And and again, the BT commentators say, uh, Nicholas Otamendi and Jan Vertonghen have not got too much pace, so uh, they were applauding James Milner being the one that Liverpool threw forward to try and get in the box there. So I'm not sure what kind of race they were expecting exactly, but it was interesting to witness anyway. Um, I, I have to say that you're absolutely right about Simicast, but I also think that even in that first quarter of the game, more or less, before his goal, Canate already had two or three moments again where he was monstrous, defensively really, really good. Uh, we saw one out on the uh, our left touchline there, right, where he got across really, really quickly on the cover, won the ball, saw it back to the keeper. There was another one where he was in place for the cutout if I think it was Cater in front of him, didn't get there first. And uh, even for the one of the chances where they were actually offside in that early period, he still got back and beat them before the flag went up. So again, I think over these two legs, he has been maybe the best performer if you average out the two performances across the two legs. Uh, obviously, there was the big error in the first leg. But here, I think, again, he was a, a very good indication of what's to come in, in seasons ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, look... <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't want to be too controversial, I, I, I have to apologise to uh stat who's called me out there in the chats about being soft on the refs lately, um, I just didn't have anything to say of note, I'll get back to my usual um, critical self soon. Um, the next chunk of the match, Dave, up to their equaliser is an interesting spell. Uh, there is a the balls in the back of the net from Nunes, pretty much you know within a couple of minutes of of when we scored we were open up ruthlessly enough with a through ball but he's offside it's called offside despite a really nice finish that's twenty three minutes then we see a lovely bit of kanate and 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 Carl's mentioned him uh it, 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 almost straight after that. Jota was body checked. We didn't get to see another look at that. I'd like to have seen another look at that. Um, they broke on the back of that. And Ibu Canate, uh is running back towards his own um, goal on the right-hand touchline as we look. And he just eases uh, his his opposite member uh, off the over the line and gets the, the throw-in to boot. And I just thought, yeah, we've spoken about this before, you and I, in the last show, and he's just, he <laughs> monsters, monster what the lad is. And it's great to see. 26 minutes then, Diaz sold a gorgeous dummy. I, again, I saw one replay, so I didn't quite get to see who it was. Rasped a shot at the keeper. Uh, great save from him. Led to a corner from which we got nothing. Clear shirt pulled then by Vertonghen in front of the aforementioned referee. No yellow, because uh, okay. Uh, and then on the half-hour mark, Bobby has a header um, from a Diaz header. So Diaz has a go- uh, heads the ball across goal. Bobby heads the ball towards goal. But it goes off, I think, for Tongan's back out for a corner. Nothing from that either. 31 minutes. Jada plays the ball into Bob again. His effort is blocked. And you'd have to say, okay, we're, we're playing a bit of ball here. Yes, they've had that ball in the back of the net and all the rest of it. And yes, they do carry a threat. But we're starting to play a bit of ball. And boom, it's 1-1. Ramos has it in the net after James Miller lost a challenge. Uh, I don't know how harsh he could be on it. He's trying to stab a foot at it. It breaks uh, and breaks to uh, Ramos and his finish is decent and it goes to VAR, but it's given. That little chunk of the game was very interesting. Quite a lot going on, Dave. Talk to me about anything that took your notice there and also the concession of the goal as well.
2: Yeah, the referee, I thought, had a bit of an odd one because he's quite whistle-happy, but then he let weird things go. like the, You mentioned the Jota one where he knocks the ball past Otamendi, and Otamendi just steps into him and like shoulder-charges him in, into his chest and puts him on his arse. That's clearly a free kick. Then we go down the other end, and it's Ibu on Darwin. And again, you could argue that he, Ibu sort of steps out of his path towards the ball to shoulder charge Darwin and put him on his backside and the referee lets that one go and you think okay well look he's he's let that one go cuz he let the other one go and the other one was far more egregious so that balances itself out. He does give the free kick when Naby uh, almost has his jersey removed from him by Vertonghen and then you're looking like why how is he not getting booked there? Like Naby's taken the ball in and turned him and we're away and Jan Vertonghen is 35 years of age in a couple of months and clearly is not going to get back into position. So he's just pulled at the shirt. You're like, well, how's that not a yellow card? So those are weird decisions by a referee who over the course of this season has been a little bit whistle happy in the Premier League, but Jen, or in the Champions League rather, but, generally has come into this game with quite a good reputation as one that likes the flow of the game and, you know, tries not to book players early on in games if he can avoid it. But when you see something as as blatant as that Vertonghen one, that's got to be a yellow card. Um, Their goal, you you can't criticise Milner. I, I saw some people, look, there was nothing good really about Milner's performance today, but there's no blame for him on that goal because. He's just trying to win a tackle, and he actually does win the tackle. He's just unfortunate with where the ball skews off to. I would ask questions of how Ramos found himself there unmarked, considering where he'd been 15 seconds previously, basically stood in our midfield, how he managed to drift all that way with nobody picking him up, but... Maybe he drifted in the def- like nobody from midfield obviously tracked him and maybe the defense just thought, right, well he's gone offside, we'll leave him be. It's just unfortunate, it's a freak incident. But it's not something you can criticize Milner for for. He puts his foot in. You want him putting his foot in there. One of the few things he actually does well is put his foot in. That's one thing you can always rely on Milner for is he will not shirk a challenge. He wins the challenges just at the ball skews. To the one place you don't want it going and credit to Ramos it's an excellent finish like it's a really really good finish so you know it is what it is we're still comfortable in the game we have been playing a little bit better football like you said Naby's now more involved Diaz seems to be growing in confidence Costas is m- marauding is the only word I can think of up and down that left wing I I genuinely think we might own two of the top five left-backs in the Premier League. Robbo's yeah. the best. I, I would struggle to name... Like, you know, Ben Chilwell is good. Is he better than Costas? I'm not sure. I, I don't think Luke Shaw is. You know, you, you, you've you got Consejo's very, very good, and I do like him, but... I, you're kind of struggling. You've you've got Robbo, Canseo, and then you're struggling to name anyone that's out and out better than Costas. If he was playing for another Premier League club, I think we'd be looking at him and thinking he's really fucking good. He's really, really good. So we're just very, very fortunate to have both both him and Robbo because the, the quality doesn't drop. And if anything, Costas takes better set pieces than Robbo does.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that, because as I, I think it was maybe yourself mentioned earlier on, uh, the drop-off <clears throat> on the other side um, is 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 quite pointed, right? Because of the productivity that Trent has, and that's not Joe Gomez's game. It can't be. You can't expect that from him. He's going to play a different type of, of, of way, but he's going to also have to try to play in the way that we try to play, which is to get the fullbacks in creative positions and in place to do creative things. and uh obviously he's not going to be able to do what 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 Trent who's the best in the world at that is going to be able to do so it's just a such a pronounced difference and i think if we had anything approaching uh um uh sort of the 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 forward going output um from a potential right back um then you know <laughs> it's another area where the squad could be tweaked i think and hopefully someone's looking at that. Um, over the summer we should look at the last part then carl you and i of the first half because you know there'll be a lot of talk about uh, and i've been to blame already about jimmy miller and and maybe jordan henderson and, and, and and changes and the lineup and all the rest of it but you know it's when we've got you know, normally a far better, more efficient, um, um, more like a first-team lineup on the field that we start conceding goals in the second half. And to be fair, the response from the 11 who were on the pitch when we did concede an equaliser in the first half was really good because we see Naby trying run from 35 yards after a, a, a nice bit of a, a touch and a flick by Jota created a break. That's soon after the equaliser. 37 minutes a lovely ball forward uh i'm going to give him the credit for from jimmy miller ends with uh, bobby playing a through ball to diaz that's just not hit with enough power and grimaldo slides in gets a touch away from diaz's feet otherwise that's a goal um then yeah a bad spell uh there for jimmy straight after that about five or six bad touches in a row Um, Nothing really much by way of creativity coming from um, certain quarters in this little period. And then on 44, Naby decides, you know, okay, I'll have a shot again. Tries one from the edge of the D. It's narrowly wide, really well struck, hit from the kid. Uh, 47 minutes, Joe Gomez raiding down from the right, has a half volley uh, after a good ball in by Henderson um, uh, to pick him out. Uh, and that's pretty much that in terms of that first half. Just to talk about the response um, to the concession of the goal by those guys who, yeah, we know are not our most creative and all the rest of it. You'd have to give a little bit of credit because there were quite a few attempts there, and certainly one of them, maybe even two of them, that on a different night could have ended up as um, extra notches uh, on the the scoreline.
1: Yeah,
3: I think probably a few of those shots were taken as a result of what you spoke about at the beginning, the fact that this felt like a little bit less of an important match maybe at that point. We still had the two-goal lead, and we've only got half a game to go at that point almost. So, again, maybe you wouldn't see Naby taking on both of those shots that he had. Maybe Joe Gomez wouldn't have tried to score his first goal ever. Um, these things I, I, I felt, and even the build-up to some of those Um, And not just Liverpool, but Benfica as well. It kind of felt like it was a playground kind of game is the only way I can describe it, where there's so much open space sometimes and a lot of turnovers. It's really, really quick tempo, which is fun to watch sometimes, but it's not necessarily the most refined or defensively solid performance you would see if it was Sporting v Benfica or Liverpool v Man City some of the time, you know. Um, I, I pretty much agree with you that the team, like I said at the beginning, as much as could be expected played well enough on and off the ball. Uh, there was definitely some erratic passing in midfield. I mean, by the time we got to half time, the, the central three had a completed pass rate of sixty-seven, eighty-two, and... Eight, oh, sorry, 67, 72 and 82%. So it, it wasn't great in terms of ball retention and everything, especially when you consider how many recyclings there were around that central area and between the centre-backs and all the rest of it. But overall, it was fine. We created a good few chances they scored pretty much the only one that they had it could have been better but we didn't really have to worry too much at that point
0: yeah and stay with me because we'll go straight into the start of the second half because it fits into the narrative that we're talking about here and fits into the the whole shape of of uh the discussion on the lineups because it's the same team that comes out for the second half nothing of note really happens until about nine minutes into the half, fifty-four on the 54-minute mark, Naby plays the ball through to Diaz. A Vertonghen clearance goes as far as Jata. He does this sort of scoop cross shot thing. And on the 55th minute, uh, that ball is turned home by Bobby Firmino. Great finish. Uh, I was immediately nervous, I went to VAR, it's given. And then two minutes after the goal, we substitute um, Milner, Henderson and Jota and bring on Fabinho, Thiago and Mo Salah. And for a bit, and I'll talk to Dave about that, everything seemed to go well. Uh, talk to me about the, just that very opening, um, uh, it, 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 that opening spell of the second half and, and, and the goal to pull us ahead from Bobby.
3: So, first of all, the goal, I guess, uh, that was all Firmino, by the way, all of it. The, the first closing down where we won the ball, that's Firmino closing them down and forcing the turnover. Then it breaks to, was it Vitongan you said tried to clear it? And the, the reason he smashed over the other side of the, the penalty box is because, again, Firmino is closing him down and he's going to lose the ball otherwise. And then he follows play all the way in and scores himself. That's... Pretty much, in a nutshell, what you'd say is classic Bobby at his very best. Having the impact everywhere, whether he touches the ball or not, that's exactly what we want to see. And as much as we've said, you know, Diaz has come in and is fitting in perfectly straight away, and we've got real competition for places. Bobby Firmino has had himself when fit and available, an unbelievably good season. Yeah, it's very, very easy to forget and overlook, but at the start of the season, his strike rate and where he was scoring the goals from was just ludicrous. He had a better strike rate than... Uh, Mane and Jota for quite a while earlier on this season. So to come back and do the same again, um, I haven't not started too many games recently. I think you're pretty much looking at five forwards. And they know they've only got three spaces to fight for in any given game and I think it's a very, very good thing for Liverpool right now given what we're going for and how much they are all pushing each other. That could prove pivotal in uh, a couple more big games to come yet this season. The subs... I mean, obviously it was planned because he had them ready to go before the goal went in and didn't change his mind in the slightest. And I've spoken with David quite a few times about this on Raw, on Scouted as well. A lot of this team, this first team of Liverpool, we play better. We have better rhythm. The passing is sharper and all the rest of it when they're playing every four days or so. Not when we have a week off, not when they go away for a warm weather training camp and they come back and it's intolerably slow sometimes and looks really sloppy instead of what you'd think would be energetic and everything. So I I think that this is just a continuation of that. You know, we, We didn't want them to play the whole game. And certain players, like the fullbacks, for example, because it's so demanding on them, yeah, they need the whole game off. But some of these players, the ones who we look to game up the game to help us not lose in terms of some of the players and win in terms of some of the players, we want to keep their rhythm up. We want to keep their peak sharpness there as well. So I think bringing these guys on with... Uh, half an hour just over to play is a, a big indication of who's definitely going to be in the team and possibly one or two of those who went up as well.
0: I think that's fair isn't it Dave and, and, and the only the only thing you have to ask yourself then is there will always be a, a school of thought that would say well you want rhythm you want minutes in their legs but not too many I can start them, get the game, put to bed, and then hopefully blah, blah, blah. Now, that's always a very simplistic but old-fashioned but also has merit kind of way of looking at things. How about that? Is there, does that? Does that hold any water with you?
2: I don't really know what to make of Klopp's substitutions and that today in terms of what it means for the weekend. We've also got that Man City game on the horizon in the league, which, you know, I mean, the league, takes priority over the FA Cup regardless of anything else. So it's hard to know really what Klopp is planning. Uh, you certainly would hope that James Milner going off early is not an indicator that he will start at the weekend because watching James Milner try and wander his way around that giant pitch at Wembley could be absolutely disgusting. Um, the poor fellow, he might actually get lost on the pitch and not know how to get back to his position. It's that big.
3: Um I specifically say some of them.
2: <laughs> that that midfield that ended the game that that's the midfield that should start at the weekend. I mean, it is the midfield that works the best. I saw some people say, Oh well, look how open we are we were. Were we really though? Were we any more open when they were on than before that? Because the two goals they got from here on are both down to just Poor individual errors by Joe Gomez and then Ibu of not holding the defensive line. If the line is what it should be, then neither goal counts. Um, they had the goal ruled out in the first half as well. You know, there, there was just throughout the game that we just seemed to be kind of not as razor sharp on the line as we should be, and with Virgil there, I, I think it all comes together a lot better. Well, will do something strange. Like He could start Harvey Elliott at the weekend, for all we know. He could start Curtis Jones at the weekend, for all we know. So I wouldn't really read too much into what he did today in terms of either the starting 11 or the or the substitutions. I do just think it was a case of, let's just get through this one. We've got a two-goal advantage. They're not going to beat us by two clear goals here. So let's just get through this, get minutes into everyone's legs and we'll we'll head on regardless for for Saturday or yeah Saturday it is
0: it is Saturday and and you know there's sort of an instant impact because you know one thing we didn't see too much of uh, in the first hour or so was a beautifully weighted passes there was that one from Miller and there was that one from Henderson and credit where it's due they were both good balls and both created opportunities. But immediately, Tiago's on the field within Sorry, a couple Trev. of seconds. Yeah, Trev,
2: which, which well-weighted ball from Milner are you discussing? Not the one that oh. finds its way through to Bobby.
0: No, I, that, dude, I'm trying to give him credit for something he didn't <laughs> you know you know that you know that come on, go on That's come on outstanding. That's
2: outstanding. Uh, yeah I, I,
0: I i'm trying to slip it in there because i want something nice i wanted to say something positive i i did say on said of first I, i'm going to give him credit for it even if he didn't mean it um but the tiago straight on the field great ball out to the flank we've seen it a million times we saw an even better version of it at the weekend that led to a goal. Uh and Mo then plays a nice ball into Joe Gomez. His cutback to nabby was almost flicked home by Bobby Firmino. Uh, we had to wait another four minutes uh, before we did see Bobby scoring. Um, it came from a lovely Simicus free delivery on the left. Bobby times a run um from the back post kind of area really well and volleys home beautifully. Now it's a gorgeous goal. I think if any opposition team scores that against my defense, I'd want to kill the defenders because Bobby shouldn't be able to do what he did there. He shouldn't be able to just sort of um, make his way forward from an onside position. And uh, time his, his run forward to such an extent that he can execute this gorgeous volley where he looks as if he should be offside. Looks, he looks like he should be miles offside when he's making contact but he's able to time that run and nobody goes with him. I'd be furious. I don't give a shit though. It's our, it's our player and I can't believe how good it is to see that. I feel so, I, I want to just echo what Carl's saying. It feels great to see Bobby doing Bobby bits again, because again, to echo what Carl says, who knows how fucking absolutely vital that might be for us over the next couple of weeks and months. Um, so just to talk a little bit about that goal, uh, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to as far as the Yaremchuk goal with Carl and then the I'll chat about the Nunes one with you. So just talk to me a little bit about that, um, the immediate impact anyway of the lads and that Bobby goal.
2: Me or Carl?
0: That's to you, Dave, yeah.
2: Oh, sorry. Right. I thought you said to Carl. Okay. Um, Yeah, no, I thought once they came on, I thought they started to look very comfortable straight away. It was very much... It did just seem to be about getting minutes in their legs and letting them go out and enjoy themselves and knock the ball about and create things. But unfortunately, because Bobby had obviously gotten his goal and everybody was very happy for him, and then obviously we'd go and get another goal with Bobby... uh, it did kind of seem like everybody wanted to get him a hat-trick, almost to the detriment of putting the ball in the back of the net when others had chances. Um, I-, I disagree with Carl on the first Bobby goal. I-, I don't really think it's much to do with Bobby. I just think the keeper has a howler, and Vertongen just does a really stupid thing. Bobby might be in the vicinity, but there's absolutely no excuse for an experienced defender to blindly just clip a ball into the right-back channel without looking to see if there's anyone there. Like, put the fucking thing in the stands if you've got any doubt. He had plenty of time. He had five yards of space around him. Um But yeah, I mean, look, Thiago looked lively when he came on. Fab looked lively. I wonder with Fab as well if it was a little bit about getting him sort of back in his rhythm after a, a fairly shite performance against City. Um, With Salah, again, I I think it was an opportunity maybe to get him a goal and and get his confidence back up. But there was some really nice football played um, in the spell from when the substitutions were made till the end of the game. It's just we were very relaxed. There was no real... it, It didn't feel like we were all that pushed about forcing the issue. Do you know what I mean? Like. We didn't clamp down on them when they started to have a bit of the ball, or they started to try and attack in certain ways. It was almost like, okay, you have an attack, then we're going to have an attack, then you can have an attack. Almost as if it was a bit of a training training game mentality.
0: Yeah, it had weird. It had a weird sort of relaxation to it that I I, I couldn't understand myself either. And Carl, we make it yet another bit of a tinkering on sixty five minutes with Sadio coming on to get some minutes as well. Now, I'm watching my timeline there around about that time because it was one of the only times I felt like I had had freedom to glance at my phone. A lot of uh, consternation about, you know, what what are we bringing on all these, you know, uh, worldies of ours for? Well, (laughs) as the game went on, uh, they brought on, by the way, at the same time Jean Mario came on for wrapped. That's in 65 when Sadio comes on as well Uh, on 67 there's a Simicus cross, Mo nods it down, and, and I think it's Nabi Kate as an effort that's not too far away at all. Um, but on 71, it's back to 3-2, and it's Yeremchuk. Uh, it's a through ball, um, and basically Yeremchuk finds himself in a situation where he can uh, take the ball, or uh, Ali doesn't come um, in a way that struck me as weird, because he's normally so proactive getting off the line, but, In this situation, he didn't, he kind of stood. Uh, Jaramczuk advanced, took the ball around him and finished. Uh, It went to VAR and it was given. Now, you will have some takes on this. Um, I, again, because I'm watching the very cheap, uh, you know, no budget BT, saw very limited by way of, of, of replays. So I'd be interested to hear your take on the goal itself. Uh, and the concession of it, I heard Dave earlier on reckon that there's a, a little bit of a, a flaw in both of these two goals in terms of um, a player or other not quite getting the line right. What did, What
3: did you think about that chuck goal to make it 3-2? Yeah, I mean, look, the this is a thing that we have had an issue with quite a few times, quite a few games for quite a few seasons, to be honest. It's the runner from deep when we do play a higher line. It's not necessarily always the one who is the actual centre forward, but someone else who's making the second run. Um, This one was Jeremczuk, obviously. I think this one was Gomez, who was just a little bit too deep, if I'm I'm remembering it rightly. He was like a good yard or two, but basically it comes from no pressure on the ball in midfield. Um, That's what allows that through ball to go through what was quite a big gap, actually. I did try and watch that one back after the game but it didn't go back enough seconds to see what happened, how we lost possession to be honest, because we were quite stretched between Gomez and uh, Matip and then Matip and Kanati as well and with the ball going in between sort of the right side as such down that channel, uh, neither of them were ever going to be pacey enough or in position enough to get back and make a challenge. Um, I don't know whether Allison maybe thought that that one was like miles offside because it didn't look like Matip turned and sprinted back, and they were obviously arms up. And then the flag did go up afterwards, so I don't know whether everyone just really, really thought it was a clear offside and uh, obviously didn't realize that Gomez was a, a step or two back there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm just tempted to stay with you to talk about the second goal that we concede as well. And then I'll go back to Dave to get his take on both of them because that's 71 minutes. And then we go back to trying to do a few bits. 74 minutes, Bobby plays in Mo into some space. His ball to Sadio, again, it's a potential open goal, is under hit. Otamendi manages to get there ahead of him. They bring on Bernardo for Ramos, I think it is, on 77. And on 79 minutes, Simicus and Sadio and Mo all combine to get Bobby in. Probably one of those ones that uh, Dave's chatting about earlier on. Bobby's effort is blocked. And then two minutes later, it's bloody three-three, and it's Nunes. Uh, Mario kind of gets the ball forward to him. His finish is past Allison. Um, it goes to VAR, and it's given. It's good again. It's not this. This Nunes kid is is some player, uh, because I think only one minute later, it's the same lad has a volley, uh, which is saved brilliantly at full stretch with an outstretched arm and a big strong hand right in the bottom corner by Allison so yeah Nunez has plenty about him and we were coughing up opportunities left right and center it's a bit of a shit show for being honest uh on the concession of this one I'll just get your take and then like I say I'll go back to Dave for his take on both of them as well
3: and save. there was a huge big pour down wasn't it um, I, I would have been a bit concerned had that one crept in to be honest because then suddenly it's only one and quite a few minutes left on the clock still and being so quick after uh, the the previous goal went and obviously there would be a big change in atmosphere and mentality of the Benfica players and all the rest of it, so that was a that was quite an important save, and I think that that was the, actually the only save that Alisson made all night, considering they scored about eight times or whatever it was with all the ones that were chalked off in the end and the ones that weren't. Um, kind of the same thing again for the for the goal, though. No, no Not enough pressure on the ball. Uh, spaces in midfield, and I think it was just Canate was uh, a yard or so deeper this time than Matip, so I... Take the line from where you want, to be honest. Usually it's the the centre-back who's usually closer to the ball or do what Virgil tells you. But since neither of those really happened this time, it's just another one of those inch-perfect runs. Fair play to him. And again, an absolutely brilliant finish, I have to say. All of them were all night. Well, yeah, uh,
0: so much added fuel to the fire that your da has set. In motion talking about Liverpool's high line. It's fucking infuriating. I have to say, oh, uh, Rob Green, Rob Green, all night. Jesus Christ! Like you're a goalkeeper,
2: mate. Shut up, Rob. Green what's this man? Going, he kept going on about the high line. Kept going on about the high line. Even the Nunez, the last Nunez one that was disallowed, where they're building up at the edge of our box, and Nunez wanders like two or three yards offside. Rob Green goes, another high line from Liverpool. We're literally defending in our own penalty area. Like, he yeah. just could not stop all game long talking about the high line and the high line and the high... And he's just sitting there thinking, like, you is this the first time you've watched us play this season? Like, yeah, maybe it's a bit more risky when Virgil's not there because there's no one there calling the line. But, I mean, at the same time, Playing that way is what allows us to be the team we are. If we don't play that high line, we aren't able to control games the way we do, and we aren't able to press the way we do. Like, it's a fundamental pillar of how we play. And yet, you've still got these absolute fucking bell ends. Been paid substantial amounts of money across a multitude of platforms waffling on, on, on BT, on Sky when you watch Liverpool play there, on NBC, CBS, whatever platform you're watching the games on. And I, I had I was watching CBS tonight. They just never shut up about the high line. Like, how many times all season have we been caught before tonight with that high line? Once, maybe? That's actually led, led to a goal? Otherwise, it's just constant offsides. And if Gomez steps out the way he should because he's looking directly across the line, then that's no problem. The Ebu one is a little bit iffy because he's sort of side on and the ball goes through the middle. But at the same time, like it works far more often than it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, well, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world. So like there's yeah. a reason we have him. There's a reason when we wanted players for certain positions, such as goalkeeper... Uh, holding midfield and centre-back, we went and bought the very best in class who fit playing a certain way. Ali is a sweeper-keeper, Virgil to allow us to defend on the halfway line, and Fabinho as uh, as Dyson, as the one who can just hoover up everything in front. Like We do this by design. It's not fluke. It's not some lucky thing where we chance our arm every game. And, you know, when you hear things like, oh, they were saved by VAR or whatever other nonsense you get, like in the cup final against Chelsea. No, VAR is there for a reason. And because we're a really smart football club with a really smart manager and really intelligent players, we use it to our advantage. Like, it's not a gamble when VAR are there. You're not playing the percentages, it's a factual rule and a rule checker and we're going to use it to our advantage
0: i mean this should not be controversial uh this should not be something that you have to point out and yet it is and it's just i think the most interesting thing about it is it's it doesn't matter what channel whoever's listening to us here now live in discord was watching whatever gimp of a pundit was servicing the uh, channel for you, was shiting on about high lines like they don't understand because they don't understand. And that's the really, really horrible, saddening thing about it. It's just, the, the, the game's just bereft of proper uh, analysts. It just is, uh, how they can't see these things, I don't know. I want to just talk, about the end of the game. I'll stay with you, Dave, for that. Then I'll go to Carl for his wrap ups and I'll finish the show with you this week, Dave. But let's just look at the end of the game, myself and yourself here. There is that Nunes volley on 82 minutes just after he's put them 3 uh, 3. It's a fantastic save by man Mo and Sadio combined then a little bit later on. That le- leads to a corner. 85 minutes from that corner, Tiago, the ball breaks to me, volleys one over the top. 90 minutes, Mo. Pulls off a bit of great skill. Uh, Sadio had the ball in the net, but he was offside. And, you know, if Mo could have finished the opportunity instead of squaring the ball to Sadio, uh, that would have been preferable. Yeah. Uh, there's about five minutes added. We bring on Divock for Bob, but Div straight into it. Fair play to him. The cred's loving him, all the rest of it. Uh, there's a chance in 93 minutes when Mo cuts in and tries the patented Mo Salah shot to the top corner. And it's just over. And, you know, I I I'm just going to go out there and say it. I I think we could really have fucking done with that going in, but you know enough of uh, enough uh, negativity for me. And then Nunes has the ball in the net again on ninety four minutes. This time he is comparatively clearly offside. That's how the game panned out, and it's you know including that late uh, sort of worry where you know it it's a perfect example of what we're, we've just been talking about. Lads can batter the ball into the back backfire net all they like once they're offside, and we just mm. need to get that fucking right. And if we do get it right, and we get it right most of the time, especially as you said, with Virgil's common denominator, then you know the, this whole conversation is, is is redundant. And and that chance in inverted commas from Nunes doesn't get talked about because it shouldn't get talked about, but it will get talked about. That's where we're at. Is there anything from that last little spell from the the, the time the game went three three? If, if anything, that's the most, that period was the most surreal period of the match where you just didn't know what to feel or think because it just was weird. It was fucking weird. Um, is there anything you want to pick out from that last little section uh, of the game at all?
2: Just that Ali save, like that is a phenomenal save that he has made look quite easy. And even Darwin Nunes, when he's been interviewed after the game, said he doesn't know how he made the save. It's just an incredible save. He thought the ball was in. Um, I thought Darwin was was really good again tonight. I think he's very much one I'd like to see us pursue this summer because I, I do think it would be nice to have that sort of number nine type who could get us quite a few goals. Um, I think he'd score for yeah. absolute fun in this team. I think, like Jesus Christ, the idea of Salah, Nunes and Diaz as a front three would be a terrifying proposition for anybody. Um, like you said, the last few minutes of the game were all a bit weird. Like Darwin has that one in the net. He's clearly offside. He knows he's offside in that one as well. He didn't in the one in the first half, but he knew he was offside for that one. He got annoyed with himself. And it, it again, it kind of seemed like if we had wanted to, we could have gone up the field and scored. But again, we're overplaying things. Salah decides to try and beat everybody and then he scuffs his shot right-footed. All things A cons- uh, Divock came on, that was nice. Divock got a bit of a run around, probably the last time he gets a run for us in the Champions League game as well. So that's that's always nice to see. Um, But no, look, it, it, was, it was a strange game. You know, there was, like I said at the start, there was good football, there was meh football and there was bad football. And that's just sort of how the game played out. There were spells where both teams were good. We were good, they were bad. They were good, we were bad. Both teams were a bit meh. There were spells where you know neither team seemed to really care what the final result were. Then they sort of realised they were going out and got a little bit of a fire under their backsides. But at that point, they were 6-2 down in aggregate. It didn't really make much of a difference. All they really did was just sort of give the scoreline a bit of respectability. But nobody who watched the two legs would come away thinking anything other than that we thoroughly deserved to go through. And now we're on to Villarreal. And now I can drag Carl into conversations about Unai Emery. We can talk more and more about the legend that is Alberto Moreno, who is the glue that binds both clubs. I think Jan Gronkamp, is another one that we signed from them as well many years ago, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, there's there's plenty of, of good stuff ahead in the Champions League. Uh, I think we'd all rather Villarreal than Bayern. As, as difficult as Villarreal will be, nobody really wanted to play Bayern. They're the type of team that on their day can just tear anybody apart. You'd still have backed us to win, but I think this is a bit more straightforward. And going into the weekend, you know, we've got... Most of our players have either been rested or have only played half the game, whereas City have just had yet another war of attrition in Madrid. uh, Jack Grealish had his hair pulled, had a little cry. Phil Foden had a little cry. Uh, City ran away from Atleti in the tunnel when Atleti tried to just, you know, an old-fashioned... I'll see you in the tunnel afterwards, let's have a bit of a scrap type of thing. Diego Simeone wound up everybody. Jamie O'Hara is currently on TalkSport having a cry. And all in all, City's just had a very tiring game. That's also seen Kevin De Bruyne and Kyle Walker go off injured. So that could put them at a distinct disadvantage come this weekend, which again feeds into our advantage. So, you know, all things considered a good night's work, both at home and with our brothers in Madrid.
0: You know what, you've basically given me your final thoughts there. I'm not going to torment you anymore by asking you to do do a further stint with me, man, because you've pretty much summed it all up there in Mm. terms of overall thoughts. So just do finish by letting folks know what you've got coming up for the week.
2: Uh, Two footed every day, 4pm, Daily Red every day around lunchtime. There'll be a scouted with Carl ahead of the City game. With time constraints for the United game, I wonder, should we maybe do one I'll leave it up to Carl to decide, but maybe do one for both Manchester clubs um, because, you know, Saturday, Tuesday is a little bit tight to get one in on the Monday. But uh, that's basically it. There's there's probably something else as well that I can't remember, but I'll be back for for Raw at the weekend and hopefully we'll be uh, talking about a Reds win and advancement to an FA Cup final.
0: That would be very pretty indeed. Carl, your last uh, wrap-up thoughts then on the match overall and anything you'd like to let folks know that you've got coming up, please.
3: just summed up by what we've said before, really, a bit of a crazy, silly, weird sort of game. And in the end, we have gone through. I mean, even all the numbers... necessarily sound the best they just sound odd to be honest you know we're actually two games without a win now which hasn't happened since the turn of the year Uh, we've conceded six goals in the last three games which is almost unheard of given how good our defense is and yet none of the results and none of the goals we conceded have actually been in any way damaging or fatal to our trophy hopes in any competition at all so kind of sums up what tonight has been to be perfectly honest uh, I was trying to look for a, a couple of stats from the games which might be useful or insightful, but I can't. They're, they're just nonsense as well. The the best I can find is that um, Bobby Firmino had as many tackles as Luis Diaz had shots, and Robert, uh, Bobby Firmino also had as many shots as our entire defence had tackles. So make of that what you will. Diogo Jota uh, basically did nothing in attack other than accidentally assist. <laughs>
0: spectacular <laughs> uh, and in terms of what you've got coming up my friend for the week uh, obviously the scouted as mentioned by Dave uh, what else have you got
3: uh, yeah I have, I have some sort of reaction to this game when I can figure out what on earth to say about it uh, I do want to highlight again that Kanate brilliant um Naby Keita first half middling to poor second half largely exceptional I thought um, passing completion rate in either half pretty much points to that improvement as well he was 65 percent in the first half and 92 percent in the second half so put it together nabby if you're starting at the weekend and and do it do a whole game one for us um i will also have something european football wise ahead of the weekend because obviously our attentions are going to be on wembley but my god there's a lot of big games this weekend all around europe so look out for that
0: yeah, look forward to reading about those, and uh, particularly going to focus on hearing, watching your mind spill out onto the page as you try to uh, uh, discuss this particular weirdness uh, that was tonight's game. But you know what? The only thing that matters is that we do advance to a Champions League semi-final. That's our Reds. You gotta love them. Um, you gotta have faith in them. And we have a game at the weekend against Manchester City. A semi final of the FA Cup. We'll be back to chat to you about that on Raw, and we'll be back to chat to you about every single game between now and the end of the season. Hopefully, we'll also be doing retrospectives uh, all summer long about trophies won because that is exactly what we're all in it for. So, on behalf of myself, Dave Hendrick, Carl Matchett, producer Guy Drinkle, everybody in the Discord group, thanks to you for chipping in and chiming in. I've been Trev Denny.